Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of The Bit. Today I'm speaking to an amazing artist. Her name is Antigone Chester Clavis and she lives in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, she's a burlesque dancer and an actor and today we speak about judgment, wardrobe, gender, the amazing costumes she makes, sex work, being discovered and we have a little chat about Kmart at the end too. So thank you so much for joining us and we hope you enjoy the episode. Antigone Chester-Clavis, welcome to The Bit. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have our chat about you and all things arts and your journey in the arts world. So let's start at the start. What are your first thoughts about the arts and what's your one of your earliest memories about um, finding something creative and running with it and finding joy in that? I have always loved the arts, always. And I know everyone says that, but for real, you see pictures of me as a kid and all I'm doing is I've got, you know, makeup on, I'm doing crafts, I'm dancing, I'm doing something that's creative and fun and colourful. And that has never left me. Like, as a kid, my favourite thing was dress-ups. Yeah. And I still love dress-ups. <laughs> yeah. Still have, yeah, I guess my whole like costume section under my couch, um, which is a bit hidden away. But yeah, I love it. All of it. And I remember dancing as a kid as well. I used to do ballet. Okay. Um, yeah, when I was very little. And it was so much fun. And I've got... I have my own memories of it too, but I think a lot of my memories are guided now by videos and photos and that sort of thing. But I watch back on the videos and, you know, as a four-year-old, there's all these other kids, you know, doing the steps and they're all watching me and copying the steps off of me about half a second behind. And I'm there just doing it in full confidence, loving life. You know the steps. Know it all. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny, it's a bit of contrast to how I am now. Now I'm always watching other people and following behind them. But I love that idea of myself. So did you dance all the way up until grade 12? No, no. I stopped ballet when I was quite young, probably before I turned six or seven, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, my, my older sister, she did it with me as well but at some point she just decided it wasn't cool anymore um so it wasn't cool for me to do it anymore either which is a big shame and a big regret for me but as soon as I sort of became an adult and sort of got over the idea of you know that I that I hadn't been training in dancing for so long when I finally got over that and found a style that I really enjoy yeah, I haven't looked back and I'm so glad that I'm dancing again. Because we're talking about burlesque. Yes, we are talking about burlesque. Um, <laughs> my can, biggest joy in life. Can you tell the listeners your definition of what burlesque is? Because I'm sure there's a lot of ideas about what it is, but what is it? That's a good question. For you. So burlesque for me, as I guess with any creative or artistic pursuit it's an expression so it's an expression of personality of feeling of desire and it's highly passionate you can't get away in burlesque giving 20 percent you have to give it all um 
which is kind of beautiful because it is a bit of a surrender. So is it like, (laughs) when we think about burlesque, is it for all genders? Yeah, definitely. Um, Classes do vary between burlesque and boylesque. Oh, which is sort of the male version. Okay. Um, but I see that more not as defined, you know, if you're a boy, you have to do boylesque. If you're a girl, you can only do burlesque. I think it's who you want to be that day. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been wanting for a while and I've been a bit shy about it, you know, doing boylesque classes and doing it in drag and exploring the masculine side of my personality and my sensuality because it's there and it exists. But yeah, you get people, all genders, um, you know, all people from all walks of life can come in and do a burlesque class. Mm -hmm. And as long as you do it as yourself or your best self, um, then it's, yeah, it's awesome. So that leads me to my next question, which is how much of it is you as Antigone? And then at what, at what point... Uh, um, char- characters created. Um, for example, I know that mm. you are known as Miss T. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at what point is that that uh, character created? For lack of a better word, is it a mm. characterization or? For me, I think Mystique, she is me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel when I'm on stage performing like I'm someone else. I, but I do feel like it's an edited version of me. Mm-hmm. It's not my everyday me. It's my best self. I'm far more extroverted. I'm so confident. I'm sexy. I'm free. Um, and I really enjoy having, I guess, a vehicle for to be that person that I can't. I don't, or at least I don't feel like I can be in my everyday life. So does every performer have? Um, what do you call it? Do you call it another personality? Do you call it a uh, characterization or do you call it like a stage name or do you call it? Um, I think for some people it is like an alter ego. It okay. can be, um, you know, their different side of their personality or a character that they have created. Um, and I think for me, probably if I were to do something like drag, I think that would be much more of a characterization of an ideal you know um but i think it's really personal for every person as well some people do just go by their name and there is a lot of pressure you know to have the right name and the right you know vibe and have something funny and you know flirtatious as your name but i think yeah some people just go on stage and they come off stage and they're the exact same person Mm -hmm. all of the time some people come off stage and you think who are you? I wouldn't recognize you. So at what point do you come out of the classroom and onto the stage? Who organizes those performances? Is that self-led? Do people stage themselves or is it um, a product of the classes you do? Um, It can be a bit of both. Uh, Where I dance mainly is at Maison Burlesque in Richmond. Um, And I think they're kind of the, the premier, I guess, burlesque, burlesque school in Melbourne um, and I've definitely enjoyed yeah dancing there for a number of years now and their courses are set up to facilitate performance at the end of every course so at the end of 
every um, eight weeks, you perform. And they are ensemble performances mainly um, to do with the classes, but they also are facilitating, you know, solo productions and um, solo development of work, which is something that I'm really keen to try because I have a lot of ideas. Um, but I guess mainly what I've done performance-wise has been ensemble work. I find it, yeah, hard sometimes because everyone talks about creative outlet. Like, oh, so what do you do as your creative outlet? My creative outlets take time and dedication and effort and brain space and passion. You know, I don't, um, a lot of my creative pursuits are not casual at all. They're not necessarily relaxing. Mm. Um, sometimes they can be more stressful than, yeah, than the real life things I've got going on. So I think sometimes I do miss out on, um, on those creative outlets because I just, yeah, don't have a hundred percent to give. Cause it's like pursuing a second job. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we just duck down to the local cork and canvas and bust out a, you know, a quick piece, a little bit of artwork just to, mm. to blow off those Friday afternoon stresses. <laughs> yeah. and, and you don't just turn up, you know, nine to five. Okay. I'm going to be creative now. Yeah. It stays with you and it gets in your head and you know, you're walking down the street and for me, a lot of my costumes, um, I have a lot of like found pieces that I incorporate into my costume. So I'll be sitting at the train and there'll be, you know, someone's lost an earring and I'll pick it up. Okay. This is probably going to be in my costume now. You know, mm -hmm. it's sparkly. It's got, you know, something on it that, that caught my eye. Um, you know, so it never goes away. And even if I don't have something specific to use it for, um, it never goes away, you know, I keep that aside and I think there'll be something perfect for this. Mm -hmm. And all of my ideas are kind of like that. It's like, oh, you know, one, something will pop up and it won't necessarily be formed, you know, it might just be a passing thought, but it gets stored away in my brain for future use. And there's a lot of trust in that process too. Mm. When you pick something up, it's like, well, my brain says... My logical side of my brain says, I don't actually know what this is for, but I trust that I can just put it on the shelf. It'll become a bit of my mood board and it'll be incorporated later. And I suppose you've learned that along the way. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, bringing it back to, I guess, an analogy of an earring, you know, I don't even have my ears pierced. It's a single earring on the ground. What good is that to anyone? You know, that's junk. Yeah. But there is a process of... Um, pulling it apart, taking what I want from it um, and making it into something completely different. Um, so I think sometimes like cataloging those ideas in your brain, yeah, they're not perfect and you do have to take time to extract what is it that I like about this thing? What is it that I want to pursue about this thing? And what is it that I can't let go or I couldn't walk past? Hmm. And you store your costumes somewhere? specific uh yeah yes under my under my couch at the moment um i had a huge disappointment a few years ago um the storage cage of my apartment got broken into and that's where i had all of my costuming stuff um and three of my first and original costumes that i'd made were stolen um 
along with a number of other things and you know bits and pieces were scattered all around the all around the car park and I was just absolutely devastated thinking you know they're beautiful but they're of no worth to anyone except me they're held together by hot glue you know <laughs> they're just wads of hot glue with like sequins on them you know um made specifically for me for my body and my person you know my mystique yeah that was a huge disappointment actually I'm still not over that it's about three years ago and I'm still really angry about it did you lose like were they taken or were they just kind of strewed yeah they were taken and then a lot of my other sort of craft things that I'd had stored with them um yeah pieces of things everywhere like underwires from bras like Mm. I was finding um weeks later just all sorts of things. Some things just thrown straight in the bin. Some things completely gone. Um, and going through even the process of having to buy back things like my nice dressmaking scissors and, um, yeah, having to sort of reaccumulate a lot of um, my craft things. But then losing the actual physical costumes themselves was devastating. Especially yeah. because that's a... Uh, like a, a piece of something that is has been there since the inception. Mm. It's been there since the beginning. So that's something that's so sentimental to your whole creative process. And for it to just be broken into, taken by a stranger who obviously doesn't have any good intentions whatsoever, that's extremely upsetting. Mm. Yeah, and it leaves me with a real kind of bad taste in my mouth, I guess, thinking... Oh, you know, like thinking of someone else wearing those costumes, you know, I, I obviously have no idea of the demographic of the person who stole these, um, yeah, who broke in and stole these things, but just, yeah, it's very invasive, very, um, yeah, horrible feeling. But you've got them stored it. safely now. Yeah. So my current ones I do. Yeah. They're. I still need to find a better system, I think, of keeping them together. But at the moment, they are sort of um, boxed away safe, yeah. So what's an example of some of your costuming? Is it, I mean, I have never been to a burlesque uh, performance, but when I think about it, I think of, as you say, sequins, maybe not so much glitter, but things that shine. Mm -hmm. I think of feathers. Mm. Um, Am I on the right track? Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Yep, uh, so there's feathers, flowers, um, pieces of fur, sequins, anything. And for me, I'm very textural about what I like to wear and um, and see as well because it you know, gives different dimension to costumes. So, um, yeah, things like, like velvet especially are really fun to work with. Um, Do you make them all yourself? Yes, so I'm not... A good sewer I'm not <laughs> I would never dream of calling myself a, a costume maker but um, from very basics I guess like a bra and underwear um, yeah they are crafted I guess entirely by me I did a performance at the beginning of last year actually um, and it was a neo burlesque performance um, what does that mean so neo burlesque is there's classic burlesque and neo burlesque. Mm-hmm. Classic is your very old world Hollywood um, 
very glamorous, very, you know, slow and sensual. Neo-burlesque is anything else. And often it's really wild and wacky. Um, it doesn't have the same straight up messages as classic burlesque might. Um, usually there's a bit of a twist with everything. So is a performance um, a piece of storytelling? Yeah. Okay. And that's what you mean by twist? Yeah, yeah. So I think classic burlesque, it's... Uh, oh, and I do, yes, classic burlesque, I actually enjoy it the most, I think. Um, it is a very straightforward story. You get from A to B and, you know, you're excited that you've just landed there and it's great. Whereas neo-burlesque will, you know, it twists your mind a little bit. It definitely makes you think. Um, it can be quite provocative um, in ways that you don't expect. Um, is it choreographed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I did a um, performance as part of an ensemble with Maison and it was Wizard of Oz themed. Um, and my particular character in that piece was the Tin Man. So I had to make a sexy Tin Man outfit and it was, it was so much fun. I had, um, I found a, like a leather cone bra in bras and things that was on like run out special, um, for like $5 or something. So I spray painted it, um, you know, with silver paint. I'm going to have to see a picture of this. Yes. I'm sure the <laughs> listeners will want to see a picture of this too. We'll have to post that. Yeah. So I had, um, you know, an oil funnel as my hat and I had to attach that to, um, a piece of foam and a pin to stick it in my hair. Um, but had like diamantes on that spray painted that as well. Um, I picked up an old, it was a children's dress from the Bardo clearance outlet at Southern Cross and it was uh, it's like size 12 children's like little dress but it was this beautiful bright silver material and so I just tore that apart cut it up um, made myself a little um, it was like a little jacket and some arseless chaps oh, yes. um, <laughs> so I had to make these big sort of leg warmers and um, hot glue gun and sewed through the hot glue gun glue to try and get these things to sort of hold together. So, you know, they are often found pieces that I am using. I'm not starting scratch from bare materials. Um, but I definitely don't use things the way they were intended. <laughs> I didn't even know Bardo had a child's range. Oh, they do. And they have the best stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, some of it, I'm like, do you have this as a, in an adult size? Because their children's stuff is way cooler than the adult stuff, I swear. There's like always cute like furs and like leopard and like pink things. Yeah. Was that the last production you did, The Tin Man? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that was pre-COVID? Yes, that was mm. pre-COVID um, in yeah, March last year. So. Oh, you just snuck that one in? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think my work locked down the day after. So it was kind of a last hurrah, which I, you know, the memories have sort of kept me going. How are you <laughs> feeling though? Are you feeling like you really want to get back? Like I know you've moved mm. into a bit of a pace of the study. Is that desire to get back on the stage soon there? Or are you willing just to give it a bit of a rest or have you, has your focus changed? Um, I think I took a couple of sort of short one day workshop classes 
um, as soon as they were available in the studios again. So I think at the end of last year or the start of this year, um, which was fun just to sort of get back into the studio and get back into the feel of what it's like to, um, you know, to learn the choreo and that sort of thing. Um, and I have really been dying to get back into it. Yeah, which I'm finding difficult at the moment because I'm just trying to balance everything. And unfortunately, it's the thing that's, you know, it's costing me money, you know, to pursue as opposed to paying my bills. Totally. Um, so, yeah, it has to be on the back burner at the moment, but it's never going to go away. I'm never going to lose it completely. And that's such a comfort, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think as much as I psych myself out about it, as soon as I do it again, it's there. It's all there. Right back where you started. Yep. yep. In trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to come along, I think. Oh, please do. I'm going to have to come along. <laughs> it's such an exciting experience. And um, I love... I love when people do come to see me for um, for my burlesque performances and, um, you know, my parents come to everyone, both of them, and they've never judged me, always supported me, just accepted that that's how I'm finding joy, um, which is awesome. Yeah. It's such a blessing, yeah. Because is there a lot of judgment that circulates mm. the industry or the that particular form of expression? I think I'm lucky to be in a bit of a bubble of knowing creative people. Um, even where I'm working in a theatre environment, um, even the people who don't perform, they understand it and they accept it and they accept, I guess, the different personalities and um, everything that comes with the industry. But I'm. it takes me off guard sometimes when I speak to people who don't have any connection um, to the performance industry at all. And... Yeah, and that judgment exists. Um, I've had customers come into work and, you know, you get to know them and you have conversations, you're making their coffee or something like that. And um, they'll say, oh, you know, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, you know, oh, I had my burlesque show. I'm really excited about it. I had a really great time. And some people just shut down. And it's not like they'll ever say anything to you. Or at least in my experience, no one's ever said anything directly you know judgmental to my face but you see it it's it's an undeniable reaction you know when people just sort of close up and um makes them really uncomfortable i wonder if that is coming from a place of oh i associate burlesque with x y and z i've never actually been to a show but now I'm just putting all of my preconceptions mm. onto you. You're in a box and I want to talk about something else now. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it does push a boundary with some people, you know. Some people do just expect me to say, oh, you know, I walked the dog and, you know, went out to a party on the weekend. You know, I'm not that kind of, like, <laughs> not always that kind of person. So, yeah, I think it's interesting when people have already decided that you are something and then when you reveal to them that you're not so maybe that's just what it is it's just something that's really unexpected um but yeah because what are the common misconceptions um there are a few burlesque it 
is in my in my opinion it is a performance style and it is part of the performance industry however it does have um deep roots and um obvious connections to the sex industry and to sex work um and i mean that's where burlesque came from originally which is just undeniable and as as whitewashed as we want to make it as clean and um sterile as you you know as we can make it in modern society it still comes from that history which is something that's so important to acknowledge but doesn't make everyone very comfortable about it because i'm thinking this is my uneducated mind i'm thinking moulin rouge yeah is that burlesque yeah a hundred percent um and yeah and it it's hard to explain because Modern stripping and modern burlesque, um, they come from the same place. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's vaudeville, it's cabaret. They all stem from this same, you know, I guess, freak show beginnings um, of circuses and everything. Um, Have you seen the film Burlesque with Christina Aguilera? <laughs> I get asked that a lot. Everyone's like, oh, it's like the film. <laughs> so I've never seen it. Okay. But my father-in-law is obsessed with this film. (laughs) He'll watch it over and over again. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to have to watch it. I don't know whether it's because he loves the film or because he loves Christina Aguilera or Mm. both. But is, does that film aid how it, aid the conception of how it is in real life or does it kind of work against it? And this is me asking you Mm. because I haven't seen the film. Mm. Um, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I don't think it gives a real life impression of Burlesque at all. It gives a very um, idealized, stereotypical version, which is fun and cute, you know. Like those kind of versions and that perception of Burlesque is what got me into it. Okay. You know, looking for this old world kind of feel. And modern Burlesque is a nod to that. But it's not like that, you know, we're working, you know, working people and we live other lives and we live multiple lives. It isn't all of us hanging around at the same club and, you know, <laughs> smoking and drinking Is and waiting one? for someone to come and like, you know, spend money on us so that we can have fabulous costumes. And Is that the storyline, is it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a common storyline of that sort of thing. Um, even with Moulin Rouge, for example, mm. you know, they're all hanging out at the club and they're all it's in this... their life. That's their whole life. It's all consuming and um, they're just waiting for a patron, you know, to come and, and to make them real actors and to make them real, you know, members of society. And it's not, it's not like that. Do you know what else that just reminded me of is Star is Born? I haven't seen it. Well, it's um, actually I've only seen the most recent reiteration of it with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Um, But she's a waitress, she sings on the side, and then this star comes along, realises her, Mm. and then she gets... Well, the star is born, (laughs) and her fame almost overtakes his so yeah it is a bit of uh it is a bit of an old adage isn't it i think that's a huge misconception in the acting and performing industries in general is that you'll be discovered 
right? You'll be walking down the street, you'll be performing at a club, you'll be doing something and you'll be discovered and you'll be whisked away and all your dreams are going to come true. And, oh man, it's, it was disappointing to realise that isn't how it works. <laughs> Still getting over it. <laughs> when I think about our generation in Australia, I'm like, hmm, who has that worked for? I can think of Margot Robbie and I'm mm. sure she's got a lot of hard work behind mm. her. Um, I think of the Hemsworth brothers, mm-hmm. who, again, a lot of hard work there. Um, and then a few other ones are popping up, like Eliza Scanlon. Uh, I know that she's gone over to the States. Um, but that's three names or four names. And there's a every year <laughs> 20-plus grads are popping out of of the acting programs and performance programs. So yeah, that the odds aren't like in our favor. Yeah. And for me, I, yeah, I grew up on Phillip Island where the Hemsworths are from. So for me, I thought, oh, if someone else from my small hometown can make it big, then I can too. And yeah, but that, I think it doesn't do justice to the, environment that people grow up in you know Hemsworth they are an acting family um, they are connected to the industry they worked hard for years to get to where they are and they you know bounced fame off of each other because of their name and everything um, and that's absolutely no discredit of them they're incredible incredible actors incredibly hard workers um, and yeah really down-to-earth genuine people um, yeah, so even though we grew up in a similar community, we're not necessarily a product of that. There's so many other things that influence fame. Um, and it's the hardest thing is that it's not always hard work. Right. It is a million other factors. That's um, a big misconception, isn't it? I know that's one that I had as well. And while we're on the topic of people who... Uh, were commercially successful from our hometowns. My hometown is Toowoomba in Queensland, which is about um, an hour and a half west of Brisbane. And Jeffrey Rush is from my hometown. Mm. That's a um, big one to follow. <laughs> so, yeah, again, that element of hope. It's like, well, I'm from a small... Mm. Well, it's not actually a small town. It's, it's a city. But... Um, yeah, just that same same misconception that I had as a performer. So mm. that's really interesting. I had those misconceptions, and like you said, it's not all about hard work, but I thought I'm a hard worker and I can outwork everyone. Mm. Yeah. I can outlast everyone. Yeah. I can be tenacious. Mm-hmm. But then when life gets in the way and and things happen that you've got to deal with and you can't put all your eggs in one basket, which is the performing world. Mm. Yeah. Then that realization does come along that, that, um, that, okay, my life isn't exactly how I thought it was going to be. And I've gone through periods of time where I've completely stopped anything related Mm. to the performing arts and, um, hoping that it would kind of die. (laughs) I know that there have been times where I've just begged, um, you know, the universe, spirit, God, whatever. I'm like, please, can you just, can I just move on from this? Mm. I'm absolutely done. 
with being artistic, having those kinds of impulses, it's a curse. Mm. Mm. I just want to work a nine to five job. I want to be really simple. I want to attend events on the weekend and I want to, I just want things to be easy. I don't want the inconvenience of being an artist anymore. Mm. I can relate to that very heavily. Um, it's a big reason why I'm doing my uni course at the moment. I need structure and I need stability and I need, you know, an, an adult job, you know, a career job and acting for me. Yeah. Despite the industry being a total whirlwind of, um, <laughs> lack of structure, um, you know, I guess no, no loyalty in the industry as well. I think in terms of hard work and passion, it's really exhausting. And unless you have a hundred percent to give, I think it's not a sustainable pursuit because you are giving that a hundred percent, but you're still only getting back 25. If that, if that, and that's if you're really fucking successful, (laughs) (laughs) which I was not. into a different time where both can potentially coexist how do you feel about Mm. that how do you feel about having that structure having that nine to five which you're working towards with your study and then yeah moonlighting as something else on Mm. the side my biggest question is can we be happy with that can we let go Mm. of the idea that it's going to be our life and we're going to be an artist full time and can we be happy with it being something on the side that's a really good question and I wonder if that can be changed for future generations but not necessarily for those who've grown up with the idea of you know oh who are you I'm an actor because that's what I grew up with and you know that was my dream what are you going to be I'm going to be an actor because you trained as an actor. Yeah, I did at Howard Fine, <laughs> 2015. <laughs> Full-time ensemble. Full-time ensemble. Um, yep, you can check that out on my resume. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a life-changing experience. And I, that was a year that I did my best to give 100%. But I still had bills to pay. I still had a, you know, a relationship that I was in at the time. I still had responsibilities to my family and friends and um and myself um and that self-care definitely was one thing that suffered by trying to give 100 percent to the pursuit um of being an actor and working fully in the industry and um training and i think that's the thing as well that people think okay i have time in the day I have time in the day. I can work my nine till five job. Five till ten, I've got rehearsals. I'll go home. I'll sleep and I'll do it again the next day. There's time in the day for that. Mm. You know, I can catch the train and, yeah, it all works out. It all lines up. But where's the time for cooking a nutritious meal? Where's the time for actually winding down at the end of the day and not just zoning out and making yourself numb until you fall asleep? You know, where is... Where are those moments of joy in that day as well? You know, if it's when it's so structured like that, it's easy to forget. Um, 
Yeah, and I think I'm the kind of person I I need to be reminded actively of where I'm finding joy and what my purpose is and who I am and in amongst all of that because yes you know I'm trained as an actor you know I'm trained as a burlesque performer I have you know my burlesque personality which is me you know she is a burlesque performer um but I'm also part of a family I'm part of you know I'm a student um and I work and all of these other things but none of those things not not single one of those things is who I am and that's a really it's a bit off topic but it's it's a hard thing knowing that I have this whole creative part of me and people say what do you do for work and I say oh you know I work in hospitality it eliminates all of those other parts of my personality so I yeah in a lot of ways I miss saying to people oh I'm an actor and then there's the other side of the coin where you work in hospitality and someone says well, what have you been up to? You're like, well, I've been performing yeah. and I've been performing in my burlesque show. And then, yeah, you've got that sense of alignment with who you are and what you do and you feel on track and then the response isn't quite what yeah. you're expecting. So, yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Mm, you never quite um, fit somewhere. Yeah. I think, and we are, as people, we're fluid and we're diverse and it's such a human thing to want to label and contain and um, recognize things. You know, we want things to be clear cut so that we can understand them and interpret them ourselves. But when everything's moving around, it's hard to explain that to other people. It's hard for them to truly understand you too. Um, And I think as human beings, we want to fit in. We want a sense of belonging. Mm. And I think that's where drama school can become <clears throat> such an amazing safe place. Is because we, for once, we all just fit in. Yeah. And then when that disperses, there is a sense of displacement again. And then you have to go into the world and, and find that again. And then you get cast or you do a show. Mm. And, ah, family, sense of belonging again. And then that disperses. Yes. And then... Yeah, it's just this cycle. And I'm not saying that it's a negative thing, but it's certainly something to be mindful of. Mm. And amongst all of that movement, as you said, we have to find ways to take care. Mm. Um, I spoke to a friend who... um, He studied acting. I don't think he does much acting nowadays, but um, we are talking about the whole environment that he was training in. And he said to me that you've got to look out for yourself in the industry because who else is looking out for you? People, you know, you have your auditions, you don't get feedback and the feedback that you do get is critique. And, you know, people are just telling you no all the time. You've got to tell yourself yes and you've got to make sure that you're okay because there's no one really checking in on you even the people who um, who are in the same position, you know, and it's hard. If you don't feel capable of checking in with other people, if you don't feel connected to them and that, um, 
you know, of course it's hard to expect other people to do that too. Mm. Which, yeah, I, I find really difficult because, you know, I want to be taken care of, you know, I want to be checked in with, but I know that I don't uphold that side for other people. Hmm. So it's a, a bit of a tangent. I'm not sure where I was going with that specifically. But, but it definitely mm. is a big piece in all of this because, yeah, that just comes under a whole self-care umbrella mm. and community umbrella. Yes. And we had that with acting school where it's self, well, maybe not self-care, but certainly community. And then we have these little pockets of community when we're in a production. Mm. And I know people try to create other communities where we, you know, have class or we get together for a reading Mm. or I don't know. It never feels like enough, does it? No. That's my main I think issue with the whole industry is it's dissatisfying. <laughs> you have your moments of, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, it's coming. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And then it's anticlimactic. But we can't, and this comes back to what I was saying before, as though I just pray and beg, or used to, I don't do this anymore, that it would just relieve itself of me just leave me alone this creative urge this artistic kind of longing because i'm done i don't want to accommodate you you're not welcome here you're being very inconvenient sometimes you're rude i just want to be a normal person in inverted commas left alone Hmm. But it doesn't work that way. And it's like you said, with your, you know, with everything that you've created, it's who you are. Hmm. And you can fight against that. I definitely have. I still do. We can all fight against it. But at the end of the day, just got to embrace that shit. Hmm. And everyone has that struggle. You know, that idea of what you thought you were going to be. And even when that changes and you think, okay, it's changed and you grab onto something else, it's not always the way. I'm wondering if this is Australia specific. I'd be very interested to know if in a different country where Mm. there are more opportunities, like yes, more competition, but also more opportunities. I wonder if this is the same conversation that they're having amongst peers or is this just our conversation because of the industry in Australia? Hmm. Who knows? I'd be fascinated to know that too. I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> next episode. <laughs> this is a, so next steps from episode four is follow up with people in America, in Canada. <laughs> Random phone calls to Americans. Survey monkey. <laughs> can tell me the bit that made you want to start the the bit that has potentially made you want to stop and the bit that makes you want to keep going things that made me want to start um burlesque and acting in general i guess one big thing was the whole perception of um for acting you know the fame and the recognition um but also for me i always thought you know actors are really fit they're really lively they're really vibrant people 
and I want to be that kind of person. So that really drew me to the industry because I found people who were inspiring to me. They were really vibrant. They were big personalities, had big dreams and passionate. Um, so like a lifestyle in a way. Yeah. So I was really drawn to that lifestyle. I guess what made me want to stop or take a break from the industry especially um, was mental health. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um finding uh, yeah no matter how passionate I am about acting and performing and um, just creative industries in general as I said before you've got to be a hundred percent and if you're not looking after yourself you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to sustain that career um, and we do see those tragedies of actors who go off the rails or um, really do disappear completely because they haven't been reminded by someone to look after themselves. Mm. So for me, I thought I need to take some time because, you know, I won't be here tomorrow otherwise. But in terms of what wants, what makes me want to keep going, um, there really is that joy in the performance that I find. And it is freeing and it is peaceful too. Mm -hmm. Even if so much is going on on stage and um, behind the scenes and everything and you're having that little adrenaline kind of heart attack, you know, just before you go on and stuff. Um, it really hits a spot that nothing else seems to hit for me. And it's really hard to describe it. But I'm sure you, you know what it is. <laughs> I absolutely understand. If you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. Thank mm. you so much. Thank you for sharing all of your amazing stories. And, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be an awesome episode. Everyone's going to learn so much from you. And can't wait to hear what you're doing next. Thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure. <laughs> and if um, the listeners want to follow you, they can find you. What's the best platform? Uh, on Instagram is where I post most of my performance sort of stuff. Um, it's Mystic, so Miss Double underscore T-I-Q-U-E. Um, and yeah, that's where I post a lot of my performance updates and things that I've got going on or things I'm interested in. So Excellent. Yeah. We'll see you there. So with the Kmart stuff, so I needed stationery. I love A3. I work on it really well, just for like jotting ideas and notes and stuff. So we go there. To be honest, their stationery section's not very good. But then I started looking around. And I'm like, ooh, there's this. We need a few lamps. There's this little basket. I need something to put my toilet rolls in. I'm like, let's get this and have a little watering can. And I'm like, got all this plastic shit that's just going to go into a landfill. And I bring it home, and one thing broke, and I'm like, I fucking hate Kmart. I'm never buying anything from Kmart again. Mm. But I know you've just said you have this lamp. Another girl I went to her house, another friend I went to her house a couple of weeks ago, I saw the same lamp in her house. Yep. And I just realised everyone loves Kmart. Yeah, I went on a date the other night, and <laughs> went back to this guy's place, and I was like, I have that lamp. He's like, okay, but I was like, oh. someone else has that lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Is that only like 30 bucks or something? Yeah. Yeah, and it just does the job. 